Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Aaronberg joined by Jeff Ulrich once again. And guys, don't forget before we start the show, like the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Also, subscribe to our podcast network. Because like I say, if you like listening to us, but you don't like looking at Jeff and I's face, we have a solution for that. Subscribe to the Awesome o Podcast Network. Uh, so Jeff, we have a slate that me and you may have talked about a couple times already this week. But there is something we haven't talked about yet, and that is the chalk at the quarterback position. Because as of the last time we talked about this, the Cardinal-Seahawks game we did not think was going to be on the slate, and now it is. So with that in mind, Kyler Murray now projected to be the highest-owned quarterback on the slate, the only quarterback coming in at double-digit ownership. So with that in mind, what do you make of Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson this weekend? Oh, man, I just about died there. <laughs> Drank the wrong coffee down the wrong place. But, uh, yeah, uh, look, it's, it's yeah, lots of curveballs over the last, like, 48 hours, man. I mean, uh, injuries – the slate getting changed, obviously. Um, I, in a way, I was almost hoping that, like, the the Wilson-Tyler Murray matchup was going to get taken off the main slate because it would have just made things a little bit more simpler. But, um, you know, this is obviously such, a, like, a high-scoring high game that, um, you know, you, you just feel like you have to get some exposure to it. It really feels like a game that I, I want to get, you know, at least one or, or two stacks going here. There's so many good pieces that you can correlate and um, it just, it makes for like, quite frankly, it makes for fun, like GPP lineup builds. So, um, you know, from a, a quarterback perspective, I think having an $8,000 Russell Wilson is probably just going to make it easier to build lower owned Seahawks lineups. I mean, um, he's not coming in with like a ton of uh, huge ownership here on, on the awesome uh, like ownership projections, which is nice. Um, and, uh, and then obviously you have Kyler Murray who at 7k, you know, I, I kind of wrote up this week. I mean, like his price hasn't moved um, and he's got a fantastic matchup. I'm not really sure why he's, he's not necessarily, well, he is actually projecting to be the highest zone now. He wasn't earlier in the week, but he is now, which makes sense. So, um, you know, seven, 100 for, for Kyler Murray, he's going to be chalky, but again, um, like you look at this, uh, you look at this price and you can kind of understand why, I mean, here, here's the one like argument you can make against Kyler Murray. The CF coming off a buy a little bit healthier uh, from a passing perspective. He hasn't been that good. So he's had some really cake matchups. Um, you know, maybe this is the spot where he just gets in trouble and, and, you know, maybe he still runs for like 80 yards or something, but they keep him out of the end zone. Uh, doesn't have like a high efficiency pass day. I guess that's the argument against Kyler Murray. It's a pretty lame argument, to be honest. It's fantastic, <laughs> uh, fantastic game script and, and stuff like that. So I could see Kyler Murray, like even just having a bad passing day and running for 150 yards here or something. So, um, you know, both those quarterbacks in play, but there's other QBs too. I mean, um, I think the, the other guy that really sticks out to me other than those two is, is a, a cheap Justin Herbert going up against Jacksonville. 
Yeah, I mean, one thing that I'll add about uh, Kyler Murray, and you're totally right, because in terms of his passing uh, to rushing production, if he doesn't pass well, he could always run well. We've seen that from almost every game this year. If he doesn't have a big passing game, he has a big running game almost every time. He's had one bad fantasy game this year. That's it. Other than that, he's generally crushed this season, so it's hard to really dismiss him. Uh, The one thing I will say is that relative to the ownership, I like Russell Wilson a little bit more. He's 900 more expensive on DraftKings, but he's half the half the projected ownership. And I don't think that Kyler Murray is twice as likely to have a big game as Russell Wilson is. So with that in mind, I, I think that Russell Wilson is a slightly stronger GPP play. Uh, somebody else who I think is interesting, who I haven't heard a take from you on this week, Aaron Rodgers, 7,000, uh, coming off a pretty weak game, easily his worst game of the season against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He was, and if you look at the sports betting odds heading into last week, he was second or third in the MVP voting, depending on where you look. It was, you know, Russell Wilson won. Then you had Patrick Holmes and Aaron Rodgers were two and three. Rodgers is one bad game last week, and people don't really want anything to do with them, apparently. I mean, I think this matchup against the Houston Texans is really strong. The other thing to consider, too, Aaron Jones is banged up. If he's not able to play, it's possible. Maybe we see the Packers go to a more pass-heavy game plan. What do you think about Aaron Rodgers this week, and what is the potential status of Aaron Jones due to Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, I, I honestly have like Aaron Rodgers, you know, like post-traumatic stress syndrome here just because <laughs> of, uh, you know, I, I just rostered him. Like I was overweight on him last week and it just it just was so bad. I mean, you, you're I'm going into the afternoon games. I was in good spots. You're like, here we go. You know, just like a little bit of uh, even just a little bit Aaron Rodgers magic and like nothing. So um, that's honestly, I've just been trying not to think about it all week because I, I just like, do I really want to go back there? But um, I mean, you're right. Everything you're saying is correct. He's he's only like the fourth highest owned, so we're not we're going to get good ownership. Devontae Adams is still projecting with with big ownership, though. I mean, so I mean, I don't think Aaron Rodgers' stacks are necessarily going to be you know super low owned or anything. But um, you know, Houston game script, they're not a good team. Like I, I know they almost beat Tennessee last week, but I'm, I'm not sure if Tennessee's defense is anything to write home about either. So. Um, this should be, uh, again, it's a pretty good game for, for stacking. Like, you know, David Johnson is really cheap. I like that play coming back against the Packers run defense. Um, and, and, you know, with Jamal Williams too, you can do so much. And, and I actually mentioned Jamal Williams in, in an Aaron Rodgers stack last week because he's such a good passing back. Obviously that didn't work out, but this is a completely different situation. Um, the, the Texans run defense is terrible. So um, you know, I know AJ Dillon probably going to get involved if, if Aaron Jones doesn't play. Um, sounds like Aaron Jones is kind of like 50-50 right now. So, like, they, he's not ruled out or anything. That's the other thing you got to take into consideration when you're making these lineups. Um, you know, Jamal Williams, 4K, I think even if Aaron Jones go- goes, he could see a little bit more run and he's going to be a good play. But he's not necessarily like a, a must roster uh, at the moment anyways. So. Aaron Rodgers, is, I, I don't know. I'm not really sure where I sit on it. Like, I, 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 I probably will try and get some exposure, but this isn't a game necessarily that I, I, I necessarily have it, like, ranked in my top three. So it's one of those ones where it's like, yeah, I probably want to get some, you know, just exposure to it because you're thinking Aaron Rodgers bounced back. You know, you can stack him with, with uh, David Johnson really easily. You know, maybe you get Wolf Fuller back in there, although I don't really like the matchup for Fuller. Um, I think if you're going to stack this game from Houston side, I, I kind of like the David Johnson play a little bit better. But, um, yeah, it's not necessarily tracking, like, the best best for me, but be- just because we have Herbert, we have that game with Detroit, uh, Atlanta, I think I just prefer those just a touch but better right now. So I know there's a quarterback that you like a lot that I also like this week going very, very overlooked. 
uh, projected for almost no ownership. Yep. Uh, so Ben Roethlisberger, and I, I know you already knew that was where I was going right there. Yep. Uh, so <laughs> Ben Roethlisberger, tell the kind people at home why we should roster Ben Roethlisberger and why this is a good spot for the Steelers offense. Yeah, and this 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 is another reason why I kind of go back to I'm not necessarily ha- having like super high in Aaron Rodgers. I like the situation, but there's just a couple spots I like more. And this one, you know, where you're getting Ben Roethlisberger, like projecting for 2.4 ownership right now, uh, percent ownership. Like, again, you, you just look at Tennessee. I mean, just how they're set up. They don't have a pass rush. They're second last in the Justice Act rate. They don't have a good secondary. They're letting wide receivers go absolutely nuts. Now they get maybe like the best group of wide receivers in the NFL. Like if not the best, it's really close. And it's such a dynamic group, such a dynamic group that they're using Juju Smith-Schuster as their slot guy, just on short routes. And then they have Deontay Johnson going down the field and Chase Claypool just streaking down the field for deep shots. Like it's, it's an absolutely terrorizing group to cover. And Tennessee does not have the group to cover it. I, I think you could see like uh, Juju Smith-Schuster come alive here. I think you could see all these guys possibly pay off in some regard. Ben's playing really well. He's sitting career marks and like uh, completion rate and, and, and like QB rating, a bunch of other stuff. He's going to have time to sit back there. If you don't get pressure on Ben Roethlisberger, he's just going to pick you apart with these guys. He's done it all year. Um, I, and the other thing is like this game is projecting as a really close game with a decent point total. I think people are just overlooking this one a little bit. They think, wow, the Steelers defense, I don't need to worry about that game. That's not going to have points. I completely disagree. I think you're going to see points here. Tennessee has been really efficient on offense. I think at the very least, you're going to get some garbage time points for them. And it's going to force Pittsburgh to throw most of the game. So um, I I like the conditions here for for stacking that game. One, the ownership. But two, like I said, I think the conditions are are way better for for some big games from the, the Steelers receivers than people realize. I can't believe how well Roethlisberger is playing this year. I mean, after he had, it's ridiculous. He's playing as good as he's ever played. And I mean, after he had that pretty significant elbow injury last year, he had surgery, missed pretty much all the last season. And then you look at other quarterbacks from his draft class, you know, Eli Manning, Phillip Rivers. I just kind of assumed that Roethlisberger, I didn't write him off this year, but I definitely thought the most likely scenario is that he was kind of washed. Like, I didn't think he was going to come back and, put up a pro bowl season. I didn't think that that was in the cards at all. I thought, you know, maybe he could still be viable as a quarterback, but he's legitimately yep. one of the best quarterbacks in the league right now. Yep. And I, I admit to like, I, I knew chase Claypool was, was like a beast. I did not think he was going to get worked into this offense as quick. I did not think there was a chance that was going to happen this year. And I think he's a bit of a part of, of why you're seeing Ben play so well. He's just opening up the field, um, you know, just giving him the, that big target downfield. Like, that's when Ben's been at his best, when he when he's had guys like Deontay Johnson, Antonio Brown work in the middle of the field, and when he's had a deep guy like Martavius Bryant who can just go down and just – just because Ben's got a good deep ball, like, you can just go down and get it. So it, it's really like – it's just like – it's amazing that the Steelers have been able to put together that same offense with, like, three completely different players now, like, five years later almost. It's, uh, it's kind of interesting. That's why – and again, you if you remember back to the offense I'm talking about, you also remember – there was like three or four weeks that they created where if you didn't own a Steelers stack, you were done and you didn't win any GPPs. I, I just feel like the conditions are are right for that to possibly happen again this, this week. So, 
Yeah, and the difference is that we don't get the same ownership, but there's the same upside. Like, remember back in the day, there was the the three Bs, and you yep. get, you know, Bell, Brown, Roethlisberger, these guys would all be a million percent owned, and just yep. nobody's really rostering right now because as good as they've been, they don't quite have that name value yet. Uh, yeah, I agree. They're going way overlooked. As of right now, that's probably my favorite low-owned stack on the slate. Uh, one other quarterback we want to bring up before we move along, uh, Josh Allen. A couple of rough games in a row for him. The Bills, after looking like world beaters, Josh Allen, who I don't think any of us seriously thought he was in the MVP conversation, but, I mean, his odds were getting up there just because sportsbooks had to consider him because of how well he was playing. And after a couple of bad games, everybody's jump, jump, uh, jumping off of Josh Allen in a really favorable matchup against the Jets. I mean, the yeah. Jets are the laughing stock of the league. That's all we're doing right now is making fun of the Jets, but we're not willing to roster Josh Allen, one of the best fantasy quarterbacks in the league against him. So I don't really understand why on FanDuel and DraftKings, Josh Allen's going overlooked. Really strong matchup against the Jets. Uh, if you like to play naked quarterbacks, you don't even have to really stack him with anybody. There's so much rushing upside with Josh Allen. Uh, I understand a little bit how he's going overlooked just because he's in between the prices of Russell yeah. Wilson and Kyler Murray. With that said, I mean, this is where we've seen Josh Allen really do well this year. In in GPPs where he's going overlooked, doesn't have much ownership, plus matchups, we've seen him have games where he scores 30-plus fantasy points and breaks GPPs. I think this could be that spot for Josh Allen. It could be, definitely. I, I like I like paying up for guys that are really getting overlooked, too. I, I think that, you know, it, it's always a good spot. People are like, oh, well, why is he up there? Why is this person up there? And then, like, there's not going to be a late rush on ownership in Josh Allen because, again, you have the, the Wilson-Murray thing. Um, people like, you know, I, I brought up Justin Herbert. And, and Matthew Stafford in the mid six case, those guys are just so much more easy. They're just so e much easier to fit in and construct lineups around. Um, but like a Josh Allen, Steph Diggs stack, yeah, absolutely. I kind of like the Jets to keep this a little bit competitive too with Sam Darnold. So, um, but that that should be good for fantasy purposes. It should be create a little bit better environment for for Josh Allen. So, I don't think you necessarily need to come back with anyone on the Jets side. Maybe like a a uh, Chris Herndon at tight end or something like that, because, uh, you know, Jameson Crowder's beat up a little bit, Darnold's back. And realistically, I'm I'm keeping with the same theme at tight end. I'm just playing the cheapest dude. So Herndon's 3K. Um, just thinking from like a stacking perspective, if you're playing Josh Allen, I, I, I don't mind it at all. I mean, um, again, you're paying up for obviously a, a really low in spot. I, I guess my only argument against him is like, we've already talked about like five or, or six QBs and, Quite frankly, they're all in really good spots. And I just don't know if I want to head into a Jets game with Adam Gase, like playing so <laughs> slow. It's probably going to lead me to just fading it, but I, I definitely see what you're saying. I think it does make sense from, you know, again, if you're making a ton of lineups and you're not going to need a ton of Josh Allen exposure to go over the field this week, which is nice. All right. Today's show is sponsored by Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports, the most trusted name in fantasy sports. Yahoo DFS now includes CSV upload and CSV edit features those looking to play multiple lineups make better choices choose yahoo daily fantasy so jeff let's jump over to the running back position i think the first guy who we really need to talk about here the man with the best mustache in all of the DraftKings player photos we got giovanni bernard now that joe mixon ruled out kind of unexpectedly he was somebody who a couple weeks ago popped up on the injury report right before we did the show where all of a sudden it was like hey are we gonna have giovanni bernard chalk week and then Mixon ended up playing. Now this week we have uh, Mixon confirmed out. Bernard is popular, but not nearly as popular as I think he should be. I mean, 17% projected ownership right now on DraftKings. Not all that popular on FanDuel. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. 
Chumba. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Either I like him a lot on both sides. I'm going to be taking a stand going overweight to Giovanni Bernard. Uh, He is a little bit more favorable on DraftKings than FanDuel because of the PPR bonus. Uh, Could you talk me off my favorite value play of the week? I mean, I am I do not like Gio Bernard as a player. Like, when was the last time we saw Gio Bernard just, like, do something? We're like, wow, what a great play. Like, he just seems like a guy who's been in the league just kind of in this third-down role for, like, the last decade. And he never does anything really that interesting, really worth talking about. And now we're, like, people are getting excited that he's in, like, a main carry role. At the same time, like, he rates out pretty good. I'm not going to sit here and say, like, a matchup where he's probably going to get minimum 60% of the snaps, 60% of the RB touches uh, is, is bad or anything against the Bengals. Um, I think the only reason he's not being super chalky is because Justin Jackson, who I know we both liked, especially at the start of the week, is now finally starting to get some steam, which makes sense because all we've done and a couple other people like us has talk about him this week. So um, he's getting up there in ownership too. And I think that is stealing a bit of Geo's thunder, which is good if you like Gio Bernard and the matchup is so plus against Cincinnati or against Cleveland, in my opinion, anyways, I wouldn't say it's so plus, but it's a good matchup against Cleveland that, um, you know, the, the, the point spread is close. I, I think it's going to be a close game that I, I think it's, it's a, it's a really solid play. Like I'm not going to talk you off it because I think it makes too much sense, quite frankly. Um, you, you know, I'd like Justin Jackson, might as well just pivot to talking to him, but you know, he does have a good running back mixed right in with him and Josh Kelly. Um, I, I think that Gio Bernard is going to cede some touches to guys like Travion Williams, um, you know, maybe Samaje Perrine, but more Williams I, I'd be afraid of. But those guys aren't necessarily like if they don't start well, like the Bengals will just will just throw Gio Bernard in the second half complete and just give him all the snaps. So there's way more chance of Justin Jackson getting, you know, pips, so to speak, in terms of the usage by Kelly if he's playing well than there is Gio. So Gio, from that perspective, is like a safer play, in my opinion. Um, I think Jackson probably has a little bit better spot and a little bit more upside. But um, from a usage standpoint, I think I think Gio's touches are safer. So here's the only hesitancy I have with Justin Jackson. It was something we didn't have to consider earlier in the week. Uh, he's listed as questionable right now. He's been a little banged yeah. up. I don't really think he's a serious risk of missing the game. Maybe he is, and I'm just reading the situation wrong. But at the very least, I do think there's a risk of, if we saw what the, what the Chargers did last week without Austin Eckler, there was a split between Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly, but it's, it leaned towards Jackson. He played more snaps. He got more touches. He was also more involved in the passing game. It was five targets to one target, if I remember correctly. So everything leaned towards Justin Jackson. But if he's not 100%, it's not all that difficult to see a situation where they go 60-40 Kelly or it goes more 50-50. And if that's the case, it's hard to really like the upside of Justin Jackson just because he's not going to be on the field all that often. Then it probably comes down to who gets the red zone touches. So I still like Justin Jackson. I'm just leaning towards Giovanni Bernard because of slight concern about the injury. Yeah. And like I said, I think Gio's usage is way safer. So it, that pretty much aligns with, with how I'm looking at it too. The other thing is like, we like all the chargers this week, right? Like I like Hunter Henry, people like Keenan Allen. One of these guys is probably going to bust or at least get like 10 points instead of like, you know, the 20 that we're projecting him for. So could easily be Justin Jackson. Um, I think the other guy in this range that, I'm I'm going to force myself to play Kenny Drake at 4,800. Um, I'm going to force myself to put him in a Russell Wilson stack. 
And um, I, I just like it just from, from a, a couple different perspectives. No one's going there, first of all. I mean, it's, he's going to garner a little bit of ownership because he's 4,800, but um, I don't think it's going to be super chalky. I do think DeAndre Hopkins is going to play, which sh- should suck more ownership out of the Kenyon Drake because people just go Hopkins when they're making those stacks for that game. Um, and Drake played really well against the Seahawks last year. Um, he, he had like a massive game. I know that's just like, it's one game, Jeff, like who cares? But I don't know. I, there, I just feel like there's always something like that. Some guys just play well against good teams. I like the fact he's coming off a big game. Um, I'm going to have some exposure to it. I just like that game so much for stacking. I think that you almost got to force yourself to take advantage of that sub 5k price. Cause as we saw last week, the upside there, it, it's still there with Kenyon Drake when he gets the right conditions. Yeah, so here's how I feel about Drake. I, I don't want him to make or break my weekend. So I'm just, whatever he ends up his projected ownership for, that's where I'm going to be at him. I don't want to be in a spot where I'm rooting really strongly for Kenyon Drake. I don't want to be a spot where it's like I have zero Kenyon Drake. And if he has a game like he had on Monday Night Football against the Cowboys where he breaks this late, if he's projected for 10% ownership, I'll have 10% Kenyon Drake. Because I, I just, I, I don't want to be invested in or against him at this point. Yeah. I have no good read on on what he is. Uh, I still kind of feel like he sucks and that Chase Edmonds is going to take over as a starting running back at some point during the year, which kind of looked like it might happen. It it was on track to happen on Monday Night Football where Chase Edmonds had uh, uh, one big play. I think it was in the first quarter. Kenyon Drake was doing his normal struggling thing. It was like, all right, here comes Chase Edmonds time. And then all of a sudden we get into garbage time and Kenyon Drake, you know, runs off for a million yards, uh, ends up flipping the Millie maker by having an 80 yard touchdown on the final run of the game. So that was crazy. <laughs> I just, yeah, I just terrible defense too by by the Cowboys. It looked the the hole opened up. It was it was like Daniel Jones esque hole with Kenny Drake running right down the middle of the field, but he obviously didn't trip and fall. Uh, so yeah, I I just don't have a really good read for or against Kenyon Drake. I've been crushed by him so many times this year. I can't just chase points after he had one good game. So I'll have some exposure to him. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can't do it again. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's the reasonable way to go. If you're like me and you don't have strong feelings for or against Kenyon Drake, just align yourself with the field. I think that's a uh, very viable way to go. At the top of the pricing range here, Alvin Kamara, once again, projecting to be uber chalk. I thought we were getting Michael Thomas back this week, but who knows yeah. what is going on with Michael Thomas at this point. He's suspended by the team, ankle injury, hamstring injury. I don't yeah. even know if he's going to play another game for the Saints because there's all kinds of weirdness going on there. But here's what we yeah. do know. Very plus matchup against the Carolina Panthers when Michael Thomas is not there. Alvin Kamara generally gets a bunch of targets. So I look at him as the guy to pay up for this week in a plus matchup. The ownership is pretty high, but I don't think it's high enough because there aren't really a whole lot of other good guys to pay up for as long as Christian McCaffrey's out. You on board with Alvin Kamara? I mean, I'm definitely on board with Alvin Kamara as just someone who probably is like, what worst going to get you 15 points, right? Um, I, I don't really have a great argument against them. I don't have any argument against them. I mean, it's probably just someone that, you know, you have to decide of, do you want to like split ownership with Zeke? Do you want to um, just be like on the field with Alvin Kamara? Or, or do you want to go like slightly under it and take a shot with, uh, you know, Zeke at lower ownership or something like that? Or like Ronald or, or take some, some advantage of like uh, Ronald Jones and Derek Henry or something like that at really low ownership and then cut your Kamara exposure down. Um, those are kind of just the only decisions. There's nothing about the play. I mean, I don't even have to say anything. I think people know it's Carolina. They allowed the most receptions to running backs, yada, yada, all that stuff. It's a fantastic matchup at home coming off a of bye. I mean, it's, there's nothing you couldn't, you couldn't like set it up better. So, um, it just depends how you feel about those other guys. Like I said, um, 
I don't know. I, I, what is your take on Zeke? I, I've been going back and forth. I think I think more talking about Kamara is like we have to decide what we like about Zeke. Um, I've been going back and forth in this all week. I mean, I see the the benefits. Like, yeah, Dallas is going to come in here, run the ball. Washington doesn't have a good good rush defense, but then it's like Zeke looked bad. They're going to just sack Dalton to heck anyways, and they're going to he's going to have to pass because like Washington might actually get in front. So. I just, I don't know. I keep going back and forth on each side. I'm not exactly sure what to do. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I like the Cowboys a lot this week. And okay. it, it's not so much that I saw. It's, it's not that I loved what I saw on Monday Night Football. There, there was no point where I watched him like, boy, these Cowboys have got something going now. This this Andy Dalton's really just as good as, as Dak Prescott. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with ownership. So yeah. the the projected ownership for, for Washington's defense, it's ridiculously high. And yep. it, it might even be too low because we look at what happened with the Dolphins defense last week against the Jets, where I think we all knew the Dolphins are going to be a chalk defense. And then you load up GPP Sunday, Sunday after lock. It's like, what, they're 35% owned across the industry. Then they're 50% owned in cash games. Yep. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, in cash, certainly play Washington's defense points per dollar. They're by far the best on the slate, but still for, for tournaments, if everybody's playing Washington's defense, and then that just means nobody wants to play Ezekiel Elliott. Nobody yep. wants to play Amari Cooper. Nobody wants to play C.D. Lamb. That's a spot I'm going to. So uh, that was actually the next guy I was going to bring up. So I'm happy you transitioned to him. Uh, yeah, Zeke Elliott at 7,800, I think is a really strong pivot on the high end off guys like Alvin Kamara, Kareem Hunt, who are going to be super chalky. And yeah, Zeke's been bad this year. He fumbles almost every single game, it seems like. Uh, I think he has now five fumbles in six games and yep. lost two of them on Monday Night Football. But here's the thing with the running back position. You could be bad in real life, and it doesn't really matter all that much in DFS. I mean, Zeke is a guy who last year averaged right around four yards per carry. It doesn't matter when you're involved in the passing game and you get PPR points. It doesn't matter when you get all the red zone touches and you're more apt to score touchdowns. So, yeah, I mean, on paper, he's not nearly as strong with play points per dollar as guys like Kamara and Hunt, and I wouldn't play Zeke in cash games. But for tournaments, I think he's such a good play off of those guys because he's a third of the ownership. And yep. the, the reality is that Alvin Kamara, Kareem Hunt, these guys are not going to outscore uh, Zeke three, three, three X the amount of times that he is on, on an average slate. So just when you compare the ownership, I think there is reason to pivot to, to Zeke. Uh, the other guy in the price range who's also not really picking up ownership that I think is kind of interesting is Derrick Henry. Uh, coming off a ridiculous game, I'm surprised that he's not getting any steam at all. I think that he's a decent pivot. But for the leverage, I prefer Zeke to Henry just because so many people are going to be rostering the Washington defense. Yeah, and I knew you were going to bring up that Washington defense play. And again, uh, you're right. Like, they are projecting as the chalk defense of the week. Everyone is going to them, and they're cheaper than the Dolphins were last week. So um, 100%, it, it is it is a really, really interesting spot. I mean, you couldn't really make this play with the Jets last week because the Jets are so bad. You have no one to kind of you know, put in there versus a, you know, a chalky Dolphins defense, but you can do this with, with Dallas and Zeke, right? I mean, right now we have Elliot projecting for like 8.4%. That is really low for a guy who you know, gets, like Greg said, like 25 touches a game, red zone, everything. So um, it, it's a really interesting spot for GPPs. Again, just a guy almost like, I, I'm just going to force myself to, to play it at, at some point because, or in, in, in some kind of lineup, like a three max or something, because you, and the other part of this is, this also goes back to the lineup creating. You can use a chalky Terry McLaren with Zeke Elliott, create a really nice correlated play there, and it's going to bring, it's going to make your McLaren lineup more less, you more unique because most people aren't going to be playing Zeke. So um, 
I like it from a lot of different perspectives, actually. Yeah, uh, just from just you know, because people are going to be using a few plays from that game. You know, it it, it can just uh, it makes lineup building almost just simpler if you use Zeke. So one other running back that I want to ask you about. How do you feel about DeAndre Swift? Because we saw yeah. last week where, you know, he really had a breakout game, but it's not like the usage is crazy high. And there's still Adrian Peterson in the mix who, I mean, for some reason is kind of the starting running back for the team. He's the guy who's at least on the field for, for the first possession. There's still on Johnson who isn't really doing anything this year, but he's still getting some touches, playing some snaps. I don't really know what to make of DeAndre Swift because if he was getting a bunch of touches and starting, I would love him at this price point against the Falcons. The, the issue is just that I have no confidence in his workload. And the Lions are such a goofy team that they could very well just give DeAndre Swift four carries. And I'd be like, yeah, I guess. I, I, that wouldn't surprise me if they're just like, hey, we need to give Adrian Peterson his 15 carries this game. So I don't have DeAndre Swift in my player pool right now. Do you have any confidence in him as a play this week? Not really. And that probably means he's probably going to have the exact same game he had last week, right? Um, so I, I, it's a, a pretty much similar feelings. And the other thing is, like if, if Kenny Galladay was was projecting for like super chalk, I would I would be looking into DeAndre Swift as just a you know as someone where you could say okay, well I'll play him from this game and everyone's gonna play Galladay and it just gives me a little bit lower you know a more unique lineup and and whatever I mean it's just a good a good tournament pivot whatever you want to call it right but that's not really happening like Galladay for whatever reason not getting a ton of ownership I'll just take that matchup I mean I, I just can't see Kenny Galladay not getting a touchdown there he's sixty seven hundred so. I'm just going to play Galladay as as the line from this uh, the line from this game that I really want to target. I think the matchup for him is is so incredibly good that um, like if he's not going to be up there in ownership, unless I'm going to make like a Matthew Stafford stack and I want to get exposure to both those guys like a Swift and Galladay stack, and I think that's that's credible. But like you can also play like a cheap Marvin Jones for 4,400 with Stafford. So I just don't really feel the need to go there. Um, you have David Johnson there at 5,300 who at least we know is going to get like 70% of the snaps and all that and, and has a good matchup too. Now I think Swift is a better player at this point, hundred percent, but um, you know, usage, like you said, is pretty much everything. And we know jo David Johnson's is going to be there. So I'll probably just, uh, just, you know, go back to the David Johnson. Well, and hope this is the game where he actually like, you know, catches a few more passes, maybe becomes that receiver. We know he is, or, or at least Deshaun Watson looks his way, but you know, I think it's just unless you're really heavily invested in the Lions, like just as for stacking and lineup building, I just, uh, I'm probably just not going to go there. I just, there's, like you said, there's too many other backs involved. There's too many other ways to score there, I think. And I think I just like the With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Receiver's so much better for uh, Detroit this week. The Lions are a goofy team, though. That's the other, like, Yeah, I, I, so I never goofy. know what to expect. Like, who knows what they're going to do? They're going to throw to, like, Jesse James, like... <laughs> Is he even on the Lions anymore? I don't even know. It's it's such a weird thing to invest a high draft pick in a running back and be like, what's our next move? Sign Adrian Peterson and start yeah. him. It's yeah. it's such it's such a backwards team. They're so yeah. oddly run. Yeah. Um, one play you brought up there, and something I think is interesting. So you talked about David Johnson. Uh, one thing that I like to do is I'll use the odd shopper on on Osmo.com, and you can look at all of the all of the prices for all the games and look across the industry of 
which which games uh, where you could get the best you know money line prices uh spread and all that and one thing that really stands out the houston texans only three-point underdogs against the green bay packers i mean this is i know the packers looked bad last week but i would assume the packers would be a way bigger favorite because overall the packers have been you know pretty good this year but even with that considered Devontae adams projected to be the highest owned wide receiver uh this week Last week, he had, it was like three catches for 40 yards on the first drive of the game. And it was like, all right, Devontae Adams is back. He's yeah. going to have a big game. He's going to be the, the top scoring wide receiver this late or something like that. And barely did anything the rest of the game. Um, so I, I look at his ownership as the highest on the slate. Still a little lower than what I would have thought it would be in a matchup against the Texans. I mean, I mentioned that I really like Aaron Rodgers a lot this week. I think the Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams connection, super high upside. The Houston Texans stop absolutely nobody on defense. Uh, the two players that I want to pay up for this week the most are Alvin Kamara and Devontae Adams. Uh, is there a different wide receiver other than Adams that you think makes for a good payoff option? There's nobody necessarily that I, I'm just uh, like, you know, head over heels. Like I got to get exposure to this guy. I mean, it's more of just wide receiver to me this week is just who am I kind of stacking with my quarterbacks and, and uh, who's kind of on the other side. So I'm, I'm taking kind of a more open approach here where it's just, you know, going lineup by lineup. I mean, I know we mentioned the Pittsburgh guys. I think Chase Claypool at under 6K is kind of just a good island play because, again, he's under 6K. I don't think that Chase Claypool necessarily needs that game to have, like, 60 points to go off. Like, he could just catch two long touchdowns and, and like, Pittsburgh could win, you know, 28 to, like, 10 or something, and Chase Claypool could be the guy. So that's kind of the other guy. And, and again, with the chalky Terry McLaren, um, you know, I, I think that that he makes for a good, like, tournament play. But I kind of like McLaren, too. I, I think almost as as, I'm, as we're talking about, I think McLaren is kind of like that guy that I also at least understand the ownership on. He's 5,800. He's getting double-digit targets every week. You know, Kyle Allen, as small an upgrade as it might be, it's still an upgrade at QB. And, and the matchup is fantastic, right? So um, I think that's probably the the wide receiver I'm kind of most, like, and I go, I guess, enamored with, even though, again, I'm not necessarily, I'm still looking to like pivot off him in some lineups um, with a guy like Claypool, but I, I'm really just looking at guys who are good value. Um, as far as the high end ones, I'll just mix them in with, uh, you know, if I'm making a stack, like um, I, I, I like the spot for DK Metcalf. I think that Cardinal secondary has had really cake matchups and I think they could get exposed here. Um, so I, I don't mind paying up for like a DK Metcalf, Russell Wilson combo, maybe even Mick try and mix Lockett in. But um, there's no one else necessarily I'm super, super head over heels over. I, I, I mentioned Kenny Galladay. I, I, I will get exposure to Kenny Galladay. I will be shocked if Kenny Galladay doesn't get a touchdown this week. Like, absolutely shocked. So. Uh, so, so you mentioned DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett there. I always find it really hard to differentiate between the two. You know, some, sometimes it's a Tyler Lockett week. Sometimes it's a DK right. Metcalf week. The other thing I've said about Metcalf in the past is if there's ever a point where he's going to start to get a ton of targets, he's going to absolutely destroy the league. The the one yeah. thing that holds back DK Metcalf is he's just not getting 10, 12 targets. He's somebody who gets, you know, like six, seven targets and then catches five of them for like 120 yards every week and they just don't go to him enough. So that's always something that makes it tough for me is the, the ceiling is higher on Metcalf, but the floor is higher for Lockett. And I just wish that DK Metcalf got more targets. Um, I generally tend to look at what's the ownership between the two, and then I lean more heavily towards whoever's less owned. But it looks like they're going to have the same amount of ownership this week. Uh, is there either one that you really prefer over the other? So I I, I think there's there's been an actual fairly noticeable shift going to DK Metcalf more as the number one there. 
Um, you know, in that last game, even you just saw it. I mean, you know, I, again, you don't want to take one series and be like, oh, this is like it's happened. But, you know, for, for Russell Wilson to go to DK Metcalf twice in the red zone on a row, and it, we're not talking about like long bombs. We're talking about like just like slam patterns in the end zone with the game on the line. He didn't even look to Tyler Lockett. He looked to Metcalf. Um, Metcalf has out-targeted Lockett if you look over the last three games. I mean, Metcalf's gone 11-6-8. Uh, Lockett's gone 13-4-5. I think there's been a bit of a shift there. And uh, again, like you said, if DK Metcalf ever gets consistently 10, 11 targets per game, I, I actually think that's going to happen here in the second half of the year. I, I really do. I am, I am basically pro. I, I was, I was the same way. I was like, well, it's probably just roster lock and he's got the more, he's got the safer target, you know, share. I am rostering DK Metcalf every time that I make a Russell Wilson lineup from now on to the end of the year. Um, it, either, you know, if it busts, it busts, but like if he, if he gets 12 targets, every game here for the end of the year. I mean, you're going to have some absolutely monster days. So that's my take on it right now. Just get on the Metcalf train and just, uh, you can, and you can play, you can still play double stacks with these guys. That's the thing. I know it's expensive, but you can still do it. Um, but if you're asking me which one, yeah, it's, it's always Metcalf at this point. Yeah. I mean, definitely let Russ cook is in full effect. He's throwing the ball a ton this year. He's now the overwhelming betting favorite to win MVP this season. Uh, yeah. I think that we ultimately see Metcalf and Lockett, Obviously, his health is fine. I think both of them end up with over a thousand uh, receiving yards, hundred receiving yards easily. That'll be that, that. That'll be no no hurdle to clear, especially since they've already done it. Um, I'm probably going to go a little bit split with them, uh, but yeah, plenty of exposure there for me. Uh, in terms of cheaper receivers, somebody else who I've talked about a little bit this week that I like a ton, uh, Deontay Johnson looks like he's good to go at 4,200. I mean, it's weird to me that he's getting less ownership now than he was before the injury, and he's cheaper now, 4200 I mean, remember when he was, what was the price, like fifty five or 5400 a couple yeah. weeks ago? He was Stop. the chalk wide receiver of the slate. Now, because he misses a little bit of time because of an injury, I understand that maybe there's this risk of you think he's going to come back and get re-injured. Uh, obviously, we've seen that happen to him before where he started a game and left after one series. But 4200 for Deontay Johnson against the Tennessee Titans defense he really should be per dollar the chalk of the slate, and it's just not really happening. Some of it, I think, is because, you know, we've seen the breakout of Chase Claypool, and although he's not really picking up that much ownership either, but I still think people are just looking at Deontay Johnson and thinking like, hey, there's all these weapons in the Steelers offense. We don't know if the targets are going to Deontay Johnson or not. I still think Deontay Johnson is the Steelers' number one receiver. I still think that he is the go-to guy for them. I mean, Chase Claypool, obviously still a, a terrific prospect and a great big play receiver, but... Deontay Johnson was the guy, and more often than not, an injury where a player misses one game does not all of a sudden mean that a guy just loses out on all of his opportunity in the offense. So he's definitely going to share some of the targets with Claypool. Juju Smith-Schuster is going to get targets as well. But per dollar, I think that Deontay Johnson is the best wide receiver play on the slate. Yeah, I, I look, I mean, I'm I'm high on all three of those guys. I'm even kind of high on Juju just as like a, from a matchup perspective. He actually has the best matchup again in the slot there. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster does uh, just against the Tennessee um, cornerbacks. None of them are really that good, but yeah, I, I, I can't, I can't even say anything. I mean, the, the price is ridiculous. I mean, this is a guy who was like averaging, you know, he, he was leading the Steelers wide receivers and targets by a fair margin and, and like, you know, yards and everything. So um, now just to go down to 4,200, I don't get the owner. I just feel like people are looking at that Pittsburgh situation and be like, well, there's three of them. I don't have to think about it. They're all just going to share targets and none of them are going to do good. And I, I, again, I mean, it just creates a good opportunity. So um, yeah, I, I think just as a, I think, and I think the other thing that's keeping his ownership down is now we have like Jamal Williams, Gio Bernard, these guys are four, 4k people can play them the flex. 
again, it just says like, well, I feel safer with Geo, you know, in a flex than, you know, after having to go over a third wide receiver with Deontay Johnson. But I think the upside, like we've already said, with the Pittsburgh receivers, all of them are there this week. Um, I definitely agree. Like, uh, I mean, who else are you really going to, I mean, it's, I guess it's Traquan Smith, right, is the other guy in this range um, that, that you're kind of, um, you know, looking towards as a cheap wide receiver play. But, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I just don't really want to trust anyone playing with Drew Brees right now that isn't Michael Thomas for a receiver. So um, well, I, don't, I, don't, I don't trust Michael Thomas with him either. <laughs> no, exactly. Right. Like, I mean, yeah, we, we don't even know if that can work anymore. So. Um, yeah, I, I'm down with Deontay Johnson 100%. There's really no one else uh, that's super cheap that I'm uh, I'm I'm like uh, really looking to play. Quite frankly, like that that's kind of the floor for me. It's it's Deontay Johnson this week, a wide receiver. And uh, you know, again, I think of, I might think about Traquan Smith or something if I have to go down there. But um, we have some good uh, flex plays at, at RB. Um, there, there's really no one else down there. So yeah, I, I agree. I mean, from a from a sub four 4500 spot on DraftKings, Deontay Johnson um should be should be uh like firmly on your radar. Um just trying to think if there's any other like sort of cheaper guys in that range. I mean I think I, I think one other play that I'll I'll just bring up and this kind of fits into like the 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 McLaren um the McLaren range, but like everybody likes Justin Jackson. People like the Chargers defense. If you're making a Chargers stack or even if you're just using like a Chargers player um dk uh dj shark dj chark practice in full this week he doesn't have an injury designation he got 14 targets last week like he's 5500 he's getting no ownership um I, I like that play just from again it doesn't have to be like a cash game or or you go super overweight but if you're making chargers lineups um and you're using chargers players coming back with dj chark at 5500 at really low ownership it just makes a ton of sense to me and uh, that was just someone else that stuck out to me at a uh, wide receiver because his ownership, I don't think is, I don't think it's anything quite frankly. So. Yeah. Nobody, nobody's rostering chart this week. Uh, one yeah. other cheap receiver, although not quite as cheap as Deontay Johnson. Uh, Christian Kirk is somebody I'll get some exposure to. He had a big game uh, over the weekend. His best game of the season caught a, caught a, uh, what was it? A, a couple of long touchdown passes. I know he had the one 80 yard touchdown pass. Um, he's not going to repeat that, but he's still, uh, Christian Kirk is a big play receiver. We saw him do it a couple times last year. Also, he had that one random game where he had, it was like 150 yards and three touchdowns. So there's always, there's always big play upside from Christian Kirk. And despite the big game last week, it's not like he's all that chalky on Fandle or DraftKings. Just somebody projected for right around 10% ownership. I think that he's okay to go to, uh, do you have a take on the high end between Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones? Because I mean, right. last week was the breakout for Julio. And I just kind of assumed that. Hey, the two chalk receivers this week, when I was just looking at the pricing when it first came out earlier in the week, I assumed it was going to be Devontae Adams and Julio Jones. I thought everybody yeah. was going to see what Julio did and just be like, hey, I'm going back, I'm I'm going back to Julio Jones, who, you know, in previous years has been one of the higher owned wide receivers. I think he's burned so many people this year and just not enough people rostered him last week to where people are like, hey, I didn't really benefit off Julio Jones last week. And uh, a lot of people are saying that. Every time I played him this year, he's crushed me. Uh, I thought Julio Jones was a great play last week. I thought people were going to be on board this week. Apparently, they aren't. So I'm fine with Julio Jones again. Uh, how do you feel about him versus Ridley? I think I would probably go back to Ridley here. Um, it's got nothing to do with like him, you know, burning me or anything like that. I mean, I, I had a piece of Julio Jones last week for sure. Well, I should have had more, but I, you know, at least I got some. Um, I just feel like the, I mean, the matchup is good for both of them. It's actually an underrated matchup and. I, I will say this. I, I still, 
am not sure why the Atlanta and Detroit receivers aren't like the chalkiest on the slate. So maybe you should be taking advantage of that. And like, I'm probably going to be overweight on them just for that reason. Cause I, I was like you, I was like, well, like, where is Galladay? Where is like Julio up here in like the top five ownership? And instead we have like Keenan Allen and, uh, and Terry McLaren. So, I mean, and, and look, I, like I said, I do like McLaren, but um, I, I still, I just felt like we would be getting way higher ownership projections on the, on that game. And we're not. So again, just something to think about um, from a construction. I, I do kind of like Ridley though. Um, the, the, the Lions have given up a lot of big plays downfield. I just feel like with Julio back healthy, teams just tend to drift over to him and, and just double him a little bit more. And realistically, like Ridley's best games have all come with Julio in the lineup. So they're, they're pretty much projecting for just like similar ownership. I would probably be okay going back to Ridley, but like realistically, I, I, I don't really have like anything like, oh yeah, this is definitely like the matchup. They, they both have pretty good matchups. Jeff Okuda is projected to match up against Ridley a little bit more maybe. Um, but, you know, and he's, he's had like terrible terrible coverage just allowing big plays downfield so i think that's a good thing but um you know realistically both these guys move around quite a bit and um it, it's going to be good matchups wherever they are in the field so i'm leaning ridley because like i said i kind of just like the situation at this point in their career where julio draws that coverage um just out of fear of, of julio and and really kind of goes off so that's how i'm looking at that one all right, I'm gonna do some ad reads here because this is gonna be this is gonna be a nice mix up before we have to talk about the tight end position. Right? I'm 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 more excited to read ads than I am to talk about tight ends this week. That is for <laughs> sure. Uh, also, do us a favor, like like the video and subscribe to the channel, uh, guys. Get access to all the great Osmo Plus tools and content for nearly every DFS sport out there with an Osmo Plus weekly pass for $29.95. This includes full access to all the premium content tools on Osmo.com, including player projections, ownership projections, premium Slack channel, and much more. If you're only looking to play NFL, then sign up now for our weekly NFL package for only $14.95 or give our NFL Express weekly pass a shot for only $3.95. Stop guessing, start winning, join Osmo Plus today. All right, now it's time to talk about the tight ends, the just most ridiculously difficult position to fill so far this year. Yep. And, it, I mean, it happens every week where there just aren't great options. At least we do have Travis Kelsey this week. So, I mean, he's somebody who's just kind of by default going to make it into a bunch of my lineups. But beyond him, it is just such a crapshoot. I mean, we saw Hayden – I mean, not Hayden Hurst. Um, uh, who, who was it last week that scored? I'm totally blanking. Um who scored two touchdowns last week? Ferkser? Uh, are a decent game. Um, but who else? Who was the tight end who had the rushing touchdown last week? Oh, yeah, yeah, Trey Burton. Oh, Trey Burton, yeah. So last week it was a Trey Burton two-touchdown yeah, game. He actually, had, he actually had a little bit of ownership. And props to Josh Engelman, who when we were doing the Live Before Lock show last week, he, re he really liked Burton a lot last week. So that was definitely something that worked out. But in general, that's what we've seen from tight end this year where it's been very difficult to fill. And then there would just be some random cheap guy who scores a pair of touchdowns, like uh, Jimmy Graham week or something like that, a 0.2% yeah. ownership. Uh, so, I mean, I like Travis Kelsey kind of by default on the high end. Uh, Darren Waller's up there also, but I mean, we've got that weird situation with the Raiders offensive line going on. It's a really tough matchup as is against the Bucs. I can't trust Darren Waller in this matchup. So, I, I mean, I'm going to get a decent amount of exposure to Travis Kelsey. I just don't know what else to be confident in. Um, maybe Darren Fells because it looks like Jordan Akins is going to be out. Is is yeah. there anybody you look at for cheap or value or just like that's the guy? Um, I, I'm, I, I mean, if you're looking for just someone, again, cash game play or maybe like, you know, whatever, just a core lineup, 
it's got to be Hunter Henry for me. Um, the Jags are absolutely terrible against coverage. Um, like allowing like a nine, like their safety is allowing like a 93% completion rate. Um, Henry's getting really consistent targets. You know, his price is very, very compatible. I, I like the way Herbert has been looking to him. Um, and they've had tough matchups like the last couple of weeks uh, the Chargers have. So, you know, if um, I could definitely see Hunter Henry just, just having a decent, at the very least, like a decent game where he gets in the end zone, you know, five targets you know, or five catches, like 70 yards. I, I can see that so so easily happening uh, against this Jags team without Miles Jack, and quite frankly, just terrible on defense. So um, I, I will say this: I see David Njoku getting up there. I, I still am of the opinion you go cheap at tight end. I'm playing Harrison Bryant. David Njoku has been asking for a trade. The Browns have no reason to give this guy the ball, and Baker Mayfield has actually been playing with Harrison Bryant this year. Harrison Bryant's also cheaper. Like, I, again, I am I'm looking for a mid-price play, man. Like, Irv Smith dropped a touchdown last week. That's the other guy who actually, he, <laughs> look, he had like 12 points, and he dropped a touchdown. Like, these cheap tight ends, man, I'm telling you, like, they open up so much. I am just looking to go as cheap as possible. I'm playing Harrison Bryant. That's my Irv Smith play of the week. Um, uh, I understand why why people are going to Joku, but these guys split split snaps last week. I'm just going to go with the guy who the organization actually wants to keep already has been playing with Baker Mayfield and, um, and, and is cheaper. So that's, that's kind of my take on the cheap tight end situation. That's where I'm going unless something else changes. Uh, I, I do think Harrison Bryant is in play for at least like, you know, five targets and uh, he's got a really good matchup against Cincy. Uh, uh, you know, again, if you're on the Njoku side, you're on the Njoku side, but uh, as far as other guys go, Kind of mentioned Chris Herndon. I, I don't have like a ton of confidence at all in that play, but that's another player you could just think about going cheap. I do kind of like Logan Thomas again, uh, a little bit of a pivot off that, uh, you know, Terry McLaren shock, perhaps. It's a really good matchup for him against Dallas. It's only 3,500. Again, you can make, he's a good comeback play with the Zeke stack, right? I mean, uh, he can easily get up there and targets again. He's got a quarterback who definitely, you know, not, not a, like the greatest downfield thrower. So um, could just end up throwing to the tight end a bunch. That's kind of the other sub 4K play. I just don't have a ton of takes on these expensive guys other than Hunter Henry because I'm not going to play any of them. So, Yeah, it's just it's hard for me. Jimmy Garoppolo, he was decent last week, but in general he's looked so terrible this year that it's hard for me to trust George Kittle going up against the Patriots it's defense. Tough. That's a really tough spot. I could, I could easily see the 49ers not scoring any touchdowns this week or losing the game like 23 to 13 or some ugly score like that. So, I mean, Kittle, I'll never say that he's a fade or anything like that, but I don't want to get a ton of exposure to him. Uh, Kelsey on the high end is the guy that I'd want to pay up for. With Njoku, yeah. it says a lot about the about the state of the tight end position that David Njoku requested a trade two days ago, and then he's like the second most popular tight end on the week because Austin Hooper's out, and I get it. Um, it's it's just still, it's, it's so hard to get behind David Njoku when he just requests the trade and apparently doesn't want to be there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I actually, I, I think that the Harrison Bryan quality you had, um, not somebody I want to invest a massive amount of money in, but I think he's a good pivot play, especially if David and Joko ends up being really popular by, by the time of tomorrow. So I do think that's an interesting call. Um, beyond that, I can't think, I, I can't get behind Chris Herndon. He stinks and he can't catch the football. He, he, th- he's, he, it's very there, true. There, <laughs> I mean, there are times where he's open over the middle of the field and he has the ball thrown to him and hits him in the hands and he just falls yeah. over like a bowling pin. Like Chris Chris Herndon is not good at football. I, I can't Bills, roster I him. This, the Bills are absolutely horrible at covering tight ends. Like they are so bad at it. Um, yeah, if, and, if Herndon if I, is, 
he can't catch the football. I know. No, I, I, I agree. <laughs> I'm just saying, if he's ever going to do anything, it's this week. So um, I, I'm not trying to sell him too hard. Like, I, if I play Chris Herndon, it will be in, like, one lineup or something. But at 3K, I actually do – I actually would play him over Njoku. But like I said, I prefer just going down to Harrison Bryant because he's cheaper. And I just want to play the cheapest guy at this position. Uh, I do think the Fells play is actually kind of interesting too. I think if you're stacking that that Green Bay game, coming back with Fells makes a lot of sense. He's a big guy. Um, he's definitely got a connection with Deshaun Watson. And, I, you know, I talked about like David Johnson trying to get off the mat with his receiving. Watson just doesn't look there. He, he tries to look downfield more. And, and that helps a guy like Darren Fells who's such a big target. So um, I do kind of see the upside in Darren Fells because it looks like Aikens is almost certainly not going to play this week, by the way. I know he's uh, listed on the ownership still for Osmo, but I think that'll be off the, off the board eventually. I think uh, if you're making Green Bay Houston game stacks, Fells definitely in play. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the thing with uh, Aikens is he's still listed as questionable right now, at least he was last I looked, but he has been practicing this week. So it seems that, uh, yeah, he, he's he's way more likely to sit than play uh, if he hasn't already been officially ruled out this morning. So that's where Darren Fells, I think, could get a decent look. And, you know, the thing about Aikens is I kind of want to roster him at some point this year. He's looked good when he's healthy. He's just never healthy anymore. Since week one, He's he's been on the injury report almost every single week. Uh, but he is somebody I think has upside at some point. Um, but one other guy I'll bring up is Jared Cook, just because there's no Michael Thomas there. I think that he's somebody who could get some extra looks in the passing game. Only 4,300. That's a lot cheaper than what Cook was at the start of the year. Uh, he had a good game in week one and then has kind of not really been involved as much lately. But he's also been hurt. And, I mean, if we're going to see Michael Thomas just not really play for, yeah. for the Saints anymore, then I think that's somebody who is going to eventually have to get targets. Yeah, absolutely. Jared Cook could could do it. Um, I, Jared Cook is a good move off of if you're if you're not if, like you don't have Kamara in in the lineup. I mean, he's a good move off it, right? Because if if Kamara's not getting the touchdowns or not getting like a ton of receptions, like who are they going to? It's probably Jared Cook. So, yeah, you got to th- you always got to think about it. You know, when you're making lineups in terms of like, well, if I'm playing this guy like uh, at low ownership, why am I playing him? And uh, again, if 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 Kamara's not in that lineup, then um, you know, Jared going with Jared Cook, I think makes a ton of sense. So uh, absolutely in play. I, I almost just forget about Jared Cook sometimes because you know you think about the Saints, it's like, well, it's Kamara, Thomas, and like that's all you have to think about. But it hasn't really been the case this year. We have to think about guys like Trayvon and Jared Cook. So yeah, absolutely. Um, again, you know, him and Fells, I think I think him and Fells are both kind of just uh, again those those kind of pivots where you play them in certain rosters. Again, if you're not playing Kamara, I definitely like going to Cook. If you're uh, playing like Devontae Adams or, or like Aaron Jones or even Jamal Williams, then I think Darren Fells makes for a good correlation on the other side of that game. So. All right. So the defenses, we've already talked about Washington a little bit. They're the chalk of the slate. I have no issue with them. It's just always hard for me to get a ton of exposure to a chalk defense because I always go a little bit spread out at the position. Yep. Uh, another team that I will bring up that uh, this will probably change if, if we get different information. If the Oakland Raiders or Las Vegas Raiders are actually going to be playing with starters missing from their offensive line and right now the COVID situation it it looks like you know the game's going to be fine they had all negative tests today but the offensive line has been quarantined and at at the very least it's up in the air whether they're going to have their starting offensive line or not there is a situation where the Raiders play with none of their five starting offensive linemen if that is the case then I am going to have a very strong bet on on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in this spot they're not massive favorites against Oakland they're uh, four point favorites, which is, you know, a reasonable number. And I mean, we, we look at the defense, 
they should crush the Raiders if the Raiders are missing their entire yeah. offensive line. So I think that's the the situation that I that I really want to keep an eye on. Yeah, um, and to that point, we didn't talk about Ronald Jones Jr. in, in the running backs. I kind of wanted to bring him up. He's presenting with like no ownership. People just don't want to play Ronald Jones. They didn't want to play him last week in a good matchup, and now like it's actually a better matchup, and they don't want to play him. So um, I think paying up for Tampa, I absolutely. I know I was making a couple lines this, this morning, and whenever I had salary left over, I'm like, how can I get to the Tampa D, man? How can I get up there? Because this could get ugly. Like Derek Carr under pressure, that is not a good scene. Um, this is not a guy who likes to do that and, and have that kind of pressure on him. He's he's been he's been well guarded this year, but like his entire offensive line basically is out. Um, I, I like the going up to Ronald Jones and then pairing him with uh, Tampa D if he can do it. it. You get a very similar game to what we saw last week with Tampa. I mean, just just Ronald Jones and the D. That's that's all that happened. You didn't need anyone on the other side. I'm not looking to play anyone on the Raiders. If I'm playing the Tampa D and Ronald Jones, I'm just that's it. That's the play. Like, there's no correlation. It's just a massive beatdown like we saw last week. That's how good the Tampa D is, too. I mean, they are very, very good. So I absolutely like that call. If I'm paying up for anyone, I'm getting up to Tampa if I can. I think um, I think just paying up, uh, again, you're looking at, like, the pay-up targets. I think the Chargers make for a bit of interesting. Everyone's interested in their their offensive players, obviously, but I think their defense has at least a little bit of uh, a value there. They have a pretty good D um, going up against Gardner Minshew and, and um, you know, the the Jacksonville, it's not like they they look good on offense. Um, I, I kind of like the Saints, too, to be honest. Um, you know, home team coming off a bye. Carolina is, they're, they're kind of scrappy, but, like, nothing they do is really that scary. Like, I don't think they're going to be able to put up a lot of points or anything. And, uh, you know, maybe a little extra motivation planning against Teddy Bridgewater. So I don't mind paying up for the Saints. They're going to be really low-owned. Again, we're talking about defenses with not much ownership here. Uh, because I, I think the, the the Washington football team, whatever they're called now, is going to just garner a ton of ownership. So, Yeah, that, that's definitely where everybody's going to be rostering. Uh, one other defense that I'm going to have some exposure to, which also I think makes for, I mean, you don't really get leverage necessarily for defenses unless the offense is really popular. Uh, yeah. But I do think the Cowboys defense, I, I don't think Washington's offense is any good. Kyle yeah. Allen's still under center. Uh, I, I do think that we're going to see a much better version of the Cowboys than we saw over the weekend. Not that it's really hard to do because they looked so bad in game one with Andy Dalton. Uh, but I wouldn't sleep on on Dallas uh, cheap defense that's getting almost no ownership. So that's one other one if I want to point out uh, a low on defense that I think has upside. Uh, so now we can move on to the closing part of our show, Jeff. What is your favorite stack of the week? Yeah, I mean, uh, maybe we'll be both be on the same, but like, I'm just going back to that Pittsburgh-Tennessee game. Um, I'm going to get, you know, a, a multiple Ben stack, uh, probably I'm not sure about, you know, if, if I like playing Derek Henry, I'm probably just going to play one of those wide receivers back on the other side, AJ Brown or Corey Davis is back. I'll probably play one of those two. Uh, Steelers secondary has actually been really bad at like just guarding its big plays too. So I think AJ Brown probably going to be in play too. It's another just low and wide receiver, like no ownership. I just like stacking that game. Um, it'll be loan. You don't have to worry about like your chalky other plays because, you know, the, the Ben Claypool, whoever stack is going to be like, you know, 2%, 3%. So that, that's where I'm going. Yeah, I'm going Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams pretty popular this week. Uh, but Aaron Rodgers not really picking up all that much ownership. So I think that that's one way we look at the really bad Texans defense. They gave up all the points to the Titans last week. And the other thing, too, is that, uh, like we said before, Aaron Jones currently questionable to play. Uh, seems like he's more likely to be out than in, but not really totally sure on that yet, but if he's out, 
I do think we see more passing from Rodgers this week, and it's just such a favorable matchup that I like him to get back on track and get over whatever it was that haunted him last week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So that is going to close out the Week 7 Final Look Show. We've got the NASCAR Strategy Show coming up next, then later on the day, on the, cranch, on the contrary, uh, that's with Alex and Moffey, uh, then MLB Live Before Lock later tonight before Game 4 of the World Series. So that will do it. Good luck in your contest tomorrow.